before the film crickets with Jay Fortier and Chris Martino. On this week's episode, I fill in for Chris, and Jay and I are joined by rock radio legend, Mistress Carrie. Jay, Carrie, and I review the 1986 independently made American action fantasy film, The Wraith. Does it stand the test of time? Let's find out your film crickets are on now. Well, I think we already have an answer for that, but we're going to make you wait anyway. Uh, so, all right, welcome everybody. My name is Jay Fortier. I am along with my good friend, Steve Lavoy. Steve? How are you? Not doing all right, man. Thank you very much for filling in. Chris is, uh, uh, for the last like month, he's been bouncing back and forth between here and Washington, D.C. or Maryland. And now he's back up north to sell, like finalize the sale of his house, only to go back down to maybe get the other one soon. So, God, it's been a fun trip. But listen, we also have somebody returning to the program who did Oscar with us in the past. And this is a big, giant leap from Oscar. We got Mistress Carrie. <laughs> How you doing? Hi, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. She's so good. She got an Oscar? Oh, that's good. <laughs> was it? Last time you let me pick the movie. This time I was like, no, no, no. You guys pick the well, movie. I regret that yeah, decision. Well, it was, you know what? Um, Steve and I did about a month ago, we did In the Line of Fire with Clint Eastwood. And then we were like, I don't know, man. Like, Chris is the most philosophical guy that's on this show. So he's the one that can always go, like, with the serious movies, he can go, like, hey, you know, like, what's his thoughts? And like, you're like, I don't know. Whatever he does, he just seems to have this natural gift for. And then a week later, uh, Steve joined me again for Over the Top with um, uh, Sylvester Stallone, and we were just bl- blasting through that episode. Like, this is so much us. So I was like, you know what? Let's go for a simple, goofy, stupid movie, and we're going to have some fun with it. So, by the way, it's not like I, I promise you this. This is not sitting on my shelf like in, in some sort of a like a protective case. It's not like one of those things that you go, oh, thank the Lord. The Wraith is out. No, but it's just, it's one of those I saw back in the day. I've seen it a few times here and there, and I figured it'd just be a a fun thing to goof on and have some fun. I didn't even know it existed, so thank you for broadening my horizons. We aim to please. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it funny, though, how, like, you know, people always want to see new stuff or hear new music, but there's so much that you just have never heard of, you know, whether it be music or movies that's still out there that you didn't even know existed. It's amazing. Yeah, and some of it, once you know it exists, now then you're very well aware of why you didn't know it existed. (laughs) So, all right, I'm going to do what uh, Chris normally does, is the rundown, and it's the movie The Wraith. It's from 1986. It's rated PG-13, runtime, one hour and 33 minutes. Um, And it's a one-sentence synopsis to see if it actually... We always like to read this one sentence to see if it captures or doesn't even come close to how the film is so uh in a small town in arizona a mysterious man slash spirit descends from the sky and manifests in a sports car and targets a local violent road racing gang of motorheads headed by a ruthless bully who'll do anything to get what he wants yeah it's not bad not bad for a uh, summary because I've I've heard others that are just like not even in the neighborhood, but that was that was right on. And it stars uh, Charlie Sheen, Nick Cassavetes, uh, Cheryl and Fenn, Randy Quaid, and a bunch of other people. Well, there was a there was a cameo in there that's uncredited that I picked up on 
and she's only in it for a second. But if you look really closely, and I think she deserves to be called out as part of the cast, Brooke Burke. Okay, wow. I read it somewhere. Yeah, is one of is one of the roller girls at the hamburger stand. And you recognized. And it. I literally saw her for like three seconds. I paused it because I was able to actually find this <laughs> on uh, a video on demand service, so I could watch it like not on YouTube, but actually on my big screen TV. And I paused it and I was like, oh my God, that's Brooke Burke. But it's an uncredited role. So when you're listing all the stars in this film, Brooke Burke is in it for eight seconds, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think she was like 16 years old or something and didn't um, yeah. didn't get her first role until uh, probably like eight years later or something. Just don't leave her out. Very okay. important. Oscar winning performance. Right. <laughs> yeah. She delivered a, a hamburger like it was nobody's business. She did. On roller skates. On roller and skates. by the way, anybody yeah, who ever does phenomenal. The, that idea, I, every time I see something in the neighborhood of that, I go, hmm, how many pebbles are in that parking lot? <laughs> like, you know, like oh, it yeah. scares me. And she didn't just deliver the hamburger in roller skates. She did it in a crop top. Right. Yeah, well, well, Arizona. So well, I was going to ask, uh, you know, there's. I was going to ask, Mr. Carey, because now you are you still riding uh, bikes? You've you've ridden motorcycles for a long time now. Yeah. Um Have you ever come yeah. across a roller skating like drive-in kind of thing? Have you ever? Is there one in Massachusetts that you know of? Um, you know what? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I've done a lot of traveling, and I've heard that there were those places out there, but I don't think I've ever like been to one yeah obviously I, I think sonic is like the only thing where like they bring it out to the car but they're not on roller skates no. yeah it's kind of like you see that, it in movies all the time like american graffiti and stuff and i don't know if they were on roller skates then though but well, it used to be common yeah, yeah I, I, it used to be common yeah. but i don't know i don't know if i've ever been to one i don't, I don't think so yeah I'm just saying, I could see an accident yeah. happening big time. All it takes is one tiny little pebble on, on under a wheel. Oh, yeah. And that hamburger's gone. Either way, we have this this crazy film that... Kind of an understatement. It, it's, it's, it's such a... Yeah. <laughs> so, like, at the beginning, they, they show this uh, these, like, a bunch of different, like, looks like shooting stars coming towards Earth, and then all of a sudden, they get together and form some sort of a vehicle, which actually, the vehicle is a, like, a Dodge Interceptor. The vehicle's cool. It's a Dodge, uh, Dodge M4S Turbo. There was only, actually, four of them ever produced. It was a prototype. And I did some research about it because I had never seen the car. And uh, But I guess the, the guy who created the engineer or who, the guy behind the car really didn't want to lend it out to the movie. So the cars you see in the movie that are racing up and down, it's like the body of that car, but there's like Volkswagen engines in it and stuff. It's not the actual car. The scene where the guy puts the tracker on the motor, that was the actual car. That was the actual prototype. But yeah, they did not want. They, I guess they lent it out to the to the movie like for a week, and it was uh, heavily guarded. Like they did not want them really touching it. Hmm. I thought the car was like one of the coolest parts of the movie. Yeah, right. Because I think that car holds up. Sure. <laughs> like if I saw that car on the road, I'd be like, oh, that thing's kind of cool. Yeah. And it's not that far from today's Challengers. Yeah. You know, like the Challenger and the Charger. It looks like very similar to that that body type. Yeah, it was way more aerodynamic than a lot of the vehicles were in that era. Those hot rods and mm. stuff, and it it was, they definitely went out of their way to make it look futuristic. Mm. You know, yeah, it was kind of it's um, bunny ear quotes futuristic. Well, it it, it kind of yeah. reminded me. I thought at first that it was like a Trans Am. It looked like almost like the old uh, '80s uh, Trans Ams, and uh, kind of looked like that between uh, that and in a uh, in a in a challenger or something yeah it was pretty pretty futuristic but then oh then but definitely now 
who knows? You know, you look at some of these Teslas and stuff that are coming out. So, well, especially because at that point in the movie where he's he wants to put that device on the engine when they're going to drag race, and he tells him to pop the hood, and he popped and it and it popped in the back, right? Which is how a lot of electric cars are now. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool that they. Yeah, yeah. You know, even back then in 1986, that they had the engine in the back. Yeah, it was. Mm. Yeah, it was like a, a mid-engine or whatever they call it. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, it's funny because you watch it. It's hard to watch movies sometimes now, and, and that came out then because it's like, yeah, all right, but we have those now, right? I mean, that's not. But in in 1986, that must have been a real kind of wow factor if you were watching the movie. I would think. Well, you can tell it's like frozen in that like ET, like you know the the special effects in the first Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Like when all of the, you know, the the lights come off the building and they're going through New York City or like Tron or something like those special effects in this movie are frozen in that 1980s aesthetic. Like you can just look at it and without knowing when this movie came out, you could go, oh yeah, this is a mid 80s movie. Mm -hmm. You can just tell. I mean, he kind of looked like Tron a little, didn't he? Well, I thought that's the opening scene that you're talking about with those dots and stuff. I thought that was very Tron-like. And then... um. You see Charlie Sheen riding up on a motorcycle, sort of like in a lone wolf style, <laughs> you know, like here he comes and uh, pulls up to Sherilyn Fenn's, I don't even remember, what, what's her name? Lily or something? Or Carrie. Yeah, Carrie. Carrie. Her really? name is Carrie. Yeah. That's oh, why bad. I thought maybe you guys That's picked this exactly movie because why. of me. I don't want to make it obvious, but yeah. <laughs> I was like, she knows this film. I'll just pretend I, I don't not, remember her name. <laughs> I did not know this film at all. When they said the girl's name, I went, oh my God, her name is Carrie. That's funny because, you know, before she came on, she actually just took the movie poster down from her studio. She like, oh, I can't. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And the fact that her name is Carrie even even seals the movie in that era because my name is a very popular name from like the 70s and and like she would be right around the same age kind of that I was when the movie came out. Right. So the fact that she had my name kind of seals it in that era. Right. Because there's not a lot of people getting named Carrie nowadays. Like it's it's definitely like a late 60s 70s baby name for sure. <laughs> So Charlie Sheen, did you notice you didn't see him much? Yeah. He he. They, this is some really cool uh, trivia. It says because of a tight timing window prior to filming Platoon, Charlie Sheen's scenes were filmed in one day, and he was on screen for less than thirty minutes. Yeah. And he, all he did yeah. was ride motorcycles and make out with the hot Ooh. girl. Like that was basically his role in. Yeah. Because otherwise, you didn't know it was right. him. Right. Because they didn't need him. They're, they're, I mean, right. Technically, the way they set it up, I'm, I'm sure they would love to have used him more. But other times, you see a, a guy in a, a black outfit with a helmet. Or, he looked or like you, he's a member of Daft Punk. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> or you just see a car, like that pulls up. Right. Now and then, a lot of it's also spent on the group of weirdos that are uh, bad guys like one guy that looks normal and he's like the head honcho and he's the ultimate asshole like I mean and I'm being nice really just a monster of a human being but the rest all have these crazy ass nicknames (laughs) like well especially this is another celebrity that you didn't rattle off at the beginning when you were talking about the cast arguably the most famous person in this movie besides Charlie Sheen is is the is the mechanic with the crazy hair? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's um, that's um uh, Clint, Clint Howard, Howard. Yeah, yeah. Ron, who was Ron like Howard's the brother. ultimate character actor. True. Who's been in every movie? He's Ron Howard's weird brother, mm-hmm. 
And when I saw him, I was like, he's in this movie? Right. Quick. Yeah, and he was wearing quick, a one, one scene, and, and I think that's all you see him, right? No, no, no. Uh, the, no, he was in he it was, a lot. Uh, he was the guy that was like, the guy with the glasses that was like paranoid throughout the whole thing. Oh. That started all the oh, races. Okay. Oh, yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I drove the pickup truck. He's been in a ton of movies. But he was the only one that was innocent from the group. Yeah. He was the one, like, because if you find out, Charlie Sheen's uh, character, I don't, I don't care about giving away the... the, the, the like, I don't think you're going to ruin the, anyone's... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> Bruce Willis was a ghost at the end of Sixth Sense? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so Ch- Charlie Sheen is a, a spirit that... Um, he was previously killed by these guys, this this group of people um, that basically race people for pink slips and take their their cars. And but they, you know, they cheat and they try to run you off the road and or threaten your girl. Jeez, that was brutal. Right at the beginning, they grab. Uh, yeah, it, within the first two minutes, they literally commit stalking and assault and battery. And like this movie would have been over in two minutes today. Because the guy just would have gotten arrested and put in jail for assault and battery and stalking of the girl at the hamburger stand. And and did you, were you sick of were you sick of the slitch uh, the switchblade knife? Like I all right first time after it was like always like what what did you say? Here comes the knife. It was it was like all right enough enough put the knife away. You know it was just it was getting kind of kind of uh, old after a while. All right, so then he basically lays claim to carry in in this movie and. He, even though she has zero wishes to be with him. And tells him flat out. Right. Now, here's here's one problem with the writing on that. It's great that she's strong enough to talk to him like the way she does. I'll never love you. You don't own me. I am this. You're a bastard. Like She's saying all these things, whatever she's saying. But doesn't have the strength to get out of the car... When he's beating the crap out of the guy that's trying to protect her at the the burger stand. Remember, he shoves her into the Corvette. Then he turns around and he starts kicking the crap out of uh, what? The the cook. Yeah, Charlie Sheen's brother. That was driving her home, yeah. Yeah. But like while while he's kicking, it's not like he parked against a wall. (laughs) She could have gotten back out of the car. Yeah. Well, if you think about it. Like, look at the three women that are on screen for more than five seconds. So we'll take Brooke Burke out of it, right? Mm-hmm. There's three women that have any any role in this film at all. There's the girl at the very beginning that's the girlfriend of the first guy they race right. in, like, the opening five minutes of the movie. And all her role is is struggling being held against her will by this gang while her boyfriend is forced to drag race the douchebags. Mm-hmm. And that's her whole role in the movie is just being the damsel in distress. Mm. Then there's Carrie, the star of the film. Yeah. And then the third woman is the girl that's which, topless which we, who's having yeah, sex yeah, with the right. douchebag right. when the cop walks in. And basically it's really against her will because when, when Randy Quaid, uh, Randy Quaid, the cop. Yeah. And, and the cop doesn't arrest him for rape. He's a cop who walks in on a sexual assault <laughs> and like, he's worried yeah, about the yeah. drag racing ring. Well, he in his defense, he forgot the big red bow and the, uh, you know, and, and like whatever, and he didn't have the RV, so he really couldn't take the guy. Like, there isn't yeah. a woman in this film that's not a victim of an actual crime on film and none of them are ever even acknowledged that they've happened. Well, the first girl got kidnapped and held against her will and physically mm. assaulted. Carrie is stalked, threatened, intimidated, and physically assaulted. 
And then this other girl is literally sexually assaulted in front of a police officer. And he wants to nail him on a crime he he's investigating and not on the crime or, that's or whatever. literally he's being witness to. Well, you know. And in 1986, like, and then people in today's day and age with the Me Too movement wonder why women like me are such fucking bitches about it. And it's like, go back and look at the movies that were getting made that we grew up watching. Like, you're telling me in 1986 that all of this behavior, it obviously there it was being done by the bad guy in the movie, but it's being done in front of the quote-unquote good guy, meaning the cop, and they don't do shit about it. Well, you know, we could also look at this. Um, and by the way, I'm, I'm totally agreeing with you, but it's just, uh, let's also look at this wonderful quote. Oh, uh, they do race the car that shows up out of nowhere, the... Uh, the Charlie Sheen car, the black prototype. And he basically sets it up so each person that he races, he crashes them over the hill so they die. The right. first person, Augie, that goes over the over the hill and like flips over, completely crashes, fire. The cop giant fireball. Right. The cops go, local kid? The other one goes, Used to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's like these people care so much about yeah. a human being. Like, well, of listen, course, a terrible person, but when, still, when, you're a cop. <laughs> you don't have yeah. that attitude. You right. can't. And then they don't understand why the body's not like, like alien almost. crispy yeah. and that its eyeballs are like weird. Hmm. And like, that's the mystery. It's like the condition of the body, not like that a murder had just been committed or whatever. Like, wonder why his body looks like that. Yeah. He was just in a fireball. <laughs> Driving a K car. Yeah. When Randy Quaid in his K car police car is supposed to be the hero. Yeah. Yeah. They they want to steal this, this, this Chrysler car in, in the movie, and it's like, Anyone that's driven a Chrysler car in the 80s know that they were the biggest pieces of shit ever. Like, you know, like, I, I just, I'm laughing at it because every Dodge car my parents had and in, in growing up, it was just like, uh, my, my brother had this Dodge Omni, which was basically the equivalent of a, of a Chevy Chevette. And uh, he went to a party once, he took the keys out of the car and the car was still like running, but like just kind of going, but, 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 it was like jumping around. It was like, it was so horrible. I'm laughing about that. Like, add that to the, like, ridiculousness of the movie. My parents had one of those Chrysler LeBaron wagons with the fake wood on the side. And when you opened it, it would go, doo-doo-doot, your door is ajar. Oh, yeah. That was fancy and futuristic. And that was in, like, 1983. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's cool about that is how quickly the novelty wears off. Oh, yeah. Like you enter the car, I don't give a shit for the door. I know open, the car's right? open. I know, douche. <laughs> right? like, I know. Like there was there was this one local ice cream eatery near my house when I was growing up in Rhode Island that had the talking vending machine from Coca Cola, and you'd put in money and you hear, "Hi, I'm the talking vending machine." <laughs> <laughs> right, like, I'm, like every time I would do it, I'd look left and right. Like, am I causing a scene? You know, it was like, please, for the love of God, shut up! It was yeah. loud, but yeah, it was just, it was insane. You know, they had people like in that terrible gang. We had some wonderful names like Skank, Gutter Boy, Rughead, Minty, and Augie. Rughead was was um, the guy we were talking about. Yeah, Quint Howard. Yeah, he was the um, guy. Okay, yeah. And yeah, one no, of those guys, one of the one of those guys, which one was it that Jay, drank I the hydraulic fluid? 
that was like always huffing like the canned air and stuff. Uh, like that would which, be which one was that one? Yeah. Was that skank? Yeah. I think skank, that was skank, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I love. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I just love how it's always like, and this is 86, right? So it probably gets filmed in 85 or whatever. That it's like, it's always the guy with the mohawk, with the earrings, <laughs> you know, the colored yeah. hair that are like the worst people on the planet. <laughs> Be yeah, afraid exactly. of like the guys with the tattoos and the knife through his ear. And they were basically like, be afraid of the metalheads. Like, that's what every movie in the mid-80s was like, be afraid of the metalheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I thought of you, Jay, though, in that first scene when that car blew up like that. And how can you not think of the Halloween scene that we mm, always talk yeah, about? With the, um, with the, the and fire. Then, and then all of a sudden I'm thinking about that. And what's the guy, what's Randy Quaid's character name? Lieutenant Loomis. Oh, nice. So I, I'm like, no way. I'm like, so I, I don't know if there's any connection to the Halloween scene, but um, I just thought of that right away. I'm like, it's almost like the same thing. Overdone explosion. Like, okay, come on, man. It was like, yeah, it was it was intense. But yeah, Loomis. I'm like, is that Dr. Loomis? Right. Or? Yeah, how you had said that, Carrie, you had said you'd never heard of it. Yeah. Um, so uh, this movie that really amounted to nothing a cameraman was killed in the making. What? Yeah. yeah. Um, his name is at the end. They roll. Uh, they roll his name right. Yeah, Bruce the Ingram. Yeah. Um, as it was killed, um, and another was critically injured, according to the supplementary material on the DVD. A camera car was overloaded and overturned while while during oh one of the chase God. scenes around. The, I know. It's just like all right. It's terrible, no matter what movie. If somebody dies, but it's almost like insult to injury. When it's something that's like this. That was just so bad. Like, there was a movie called Gone Fishing with uh, uh, Joe Pesci and Danny Glover. Somebody died in the making of that movie. You know what I mean? Exactly. See, I see the blank looks on the yeah. faces that I'm looking at. You're like, what movie? Yeah. And it's like, really? And it's like, like I'm not saying that it doesn't matter which one. Like, because, I mean, if somebody died in the making of Titanic, it would be terrible. Like, you know what I mean? It's almost yeah. like, oh, fuck, he had to die during that. <laughs> like, honestly, it wasn't and then you have to that tell that story anything. and have people go, I never heard of that movie. And it's like, yeah, we know. Right. <laughs> well, it, it was only on, it was only on 88, I think it was 88 theaters or something like that when it came out. It only got released because it was kind of like an independent uh, film company. Mm. And uh, and, I, and I think it only got released to like eight, something, 80 something theaters, which isn't a lot. When it you think was of, released uh, on Laserdisc though, I saw. Hmm. Oh, so, yes, I, I mean, I, there's I, massive distribution for that I, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen a Like, laser there's disc. someone yeah. on this planet that has this movie on Laserdisc. Somewhere right. in their Laserdisc yeah. collection, this movie exists. And, at the, and they watched it on Laserdisc. And for anybody that doesn't know what Laserdisc is, it was like an album. It's like a giant DVD that you had to flip over halfway through the movie... Mm. And someone was so compelled by what was in the first half that they raced to the laser disc player to flip the disc over so they could see what happened in the second half. Well, because this was riveting. Wow. Yeah. Like somebody <laughs> wow. cared I, that much. I didn't know you had to flip them. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. You had to flip the laser disc or you had to get the second one. So Charlie Sheen played this character who was basically reborn in a way. Like, you know, he was a spirit. He came back as somebody that looked somewhat like himself, but not quite. Now, enough magic, or whatever you want to call it, gets involved where he can show up 
to race and kill all these people that killed him in the past. He can look sort of like he used to, but he can't get rid of the scars. <laughs> He's got yeah. scars on his Which back is the only way you know kind neck. of what happened to kind of tie all of this in at the end was he's got these scars on his back. And at no point does the grieving girlfriend, like, she's just there to fall in love with a new guy. Mm-hmm. And there's no mourning the loss of her former boyfriend. Like, I just don't get it. Well, wasn't that the whole saying, you know, to get... To get over a, a guy, you get under another one or something. What is that? What like girls or you have, say? Or you have sex with somebody that looks just like them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My guess is, and then, by the way, I'm 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 giving him way too much credit, but it's just just for the sake of doing that. She was probably not knowingly realizing, like you know what I mean, like falling in love with the person that was him anyway. Like yeah, it it was already him. Like so, like, and when he chose to, I like how at the end he reveals himself sort of to his brother, but then drives away. <laughs> You're right, only so his brother can realize it after he's gone and go and cry out for Jamie. It's basically saying the girl way more important, way than more you, important. My brother. Yeah, <laughs> like, I like you could have given him five minutes to be like. What's it like to die? And we miss you. And mom's really sad. No. Or I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> or do I get like three really wishes? Okay. Like, you know, is it like a genie in a bottle? Do I get three wishes when you go back? Something. You know, like something? Yeah. This movie is not built on interpersonal relationships being healthy in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah. At all. Every relationship, for the most part, is completely toxic in this movie. Well, it's rough. But. WD-40 must have been very excited. Even though they weren't using the num- the name WD-40, Skank was like snorting it, which is, you know. That's it- what he was huffing. It wasn't like canned air. It was WD-40. Right, but it said something like 2820. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, you know, they don't want to get it's in trouble, cut. but it's like, it's a blue and, it's a blue and yellow yeah. can. They, they cut it a little uh, bit. It's not as strong. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, the, the cops know he's doing that too. Like fully right, right, abusing right. substances. Cops don't care about that either. They just want right. to bust the car racing ring, not the rapists, murderers, <laughs> you know. They don't worry about any of those other crimes. They just, I I want to be myopically focused on these street racing gangs. Wow. Because you keep careening out of control off of these deserted roads where, like, no one else is in danger. You know, and I was going to wait to say this, but it's funny. I, I was watched, so I watched it on YouTube. Um, because a little more torture is always fun. Uh, but I, I was watching the comments on the side as I'm watching the movie. I like to see what they have to say. Oh, see, and that would people, make it fun. Oh, well, there are people that are like, oh, my God, it's great this is on. I love this movie. I see it multiple times a year. And it's like, really? Like, who is who? this person? Those are the laser disc people. Shit? Yeah, they are. They And they call, they're like, yeah, this is awesome. I've watched it. I saw it in the movies. And it's like, Wow, it's like all all five people. You know, it's like really there are people that are so into this. Like, I'm not saying it was bad, bad. I mean, it was you know, I I I was I was watching it. You know, uh, but I was just reading these comments, going, "Wow, is there something wrong with me? I, I don't. I'm not falling in love with it. You know, I'm not saying, hey, I got not only the laser disc, but I have one unopened. You know, like sealed." <laughs> <laughs> just in case it's a collector's item. Yeah. The best part of this whole movie is the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we were saying the, the same only. Thing. Yeah. It's the only good part. I mean, the car was cool. I thought Charlie Sheen's outfit was cool. The costume uh, as like the, you know, with the helmet and whatever. Like I, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. But the soundtrack, I think, out of anything, I was like, wait, is that Aussie? Wait, oh, Molly Crew made it in there. Like 
The soundtrack is cool. Yeah, yeah and a lot, I was, a lot of tunes. I was gonna say that to Jay. I was gonna say, you know, when I first started watching, I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this film. But when the first race happened and Secret Loser comes on from the Ultimate yes. Series, I'm like, no way. I'm like, they're playing yeah. Secret Loser by Ozzy in, in a movie? I'm like, all right, and I think I'm going to like It's this. not just Ozzy. Look at the list. It, they, Ian Hunter's on it, Motley Crue, Robert Palmer, not one, two songs from Lion, Bonnie Tyler, Billy Idol. Like, yeah, yep. The soundtrack's good. Honey and there's sweet. a guy named Stan Bush that was famous for um, doing um, 80s soundtracks. Like, he did the animated Transformer movie, which people went nuts about uh, back in the day. Um, and, like, he became, like, a soundtrack guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool 80s song out, too. It's like 80s music or something. is a song he released not too long ago, and it's pretty cool. Just kind of about 80s music. It's, yeah, it's fun. What, Stan Bush? Yeah, uh, yeah, by Stan Bush, yeah. It's funny. The The budget for this was $2.7 I imagine a lot of that went to the soundtrack. Unless I would it, think so. They made yeah. money, though. They made. I looked it up, so yeah, I think they ended up making 3.5, so they covered They, they did, covered but the not movie. domestically, so it was a, it was a domestic flop. Okay. Worldwide, it went to 3.5. Well, two- didn't they do something weird in the Philippines, too, that but, I read? Hold on. Let me see if I yeah. can find it, because I, ex- I, I did research on this fine film for you guys. <laughs> You're uh, you kind of have to. It's like, okay, am I missing something? Like, uh, yeah. The Wraith was released in the United States on November 21st, 1986. In the Philippines, the film was released as Black Moon Rising Part 2 on April 29th, 1987, connecting it to the unrelated film Black Moon Rising starring Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, my God. What? Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it's Part really two, weird. You're saying. That's well, what, no, yeah, it's just I, like some sort of misleading. It's like clickbait. Yeah, like live like they just clickbait. attached it to this movie that must have been successful in the Philippines, Black Moon Rising, Part One. But, but think of that wow. though, like you know, you have to come to you have to come to the theater to realize you've been duped. <laughs> I love um, Leonard Maltin's quotes. Did you guys see how he described this film? The famous film critic Leonard Maltin. Oh, no. He said, for those that favor fast cars and lots of noise, then the film editor from Time Out said, comic strip killer car thieves, the best joke having one of the thugs knowing the word wraith. <laughs> you know, I thought the same thing. I'm like, how do you even say this? So I, I was doing, I do the intros on the show and I'm like, I had to look it up to make sure I was saying it right. Because I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, you know, yeah, it's pretty funny. Like, who would come up with that name? Like, Mm. I mean, it's supposed to be like a a ghost, I guess. But, you know, it's, yeah. According to the dictionary, a ghost or a ghost-like image of someone, especially one seen shortly before or after their death. So someone spends some time with a thesaurus and a dictionary Mm. trying to figure out what to call this movie. (laughs) You know, but Charlie Sheen, I mean, young Charlie Sheen, but does he ever change his acting skills? Like... I think in one of the scenes, I was like, "Are they going to come out and go, man?" You know, like, you know, it's just like it hasn't really. Well, this changed. came out after Major League, right? Um, no. When I think did Major it, League I think, come I out? I think it was eighty-seven or eighty-eight. Oh, I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Now I need. Yeah, oh, in nineteen eighty-nine. Yeah, you guys are oh, right. Yeah, okay, right. so this is pre-Major League, yeah. but he was making Platoon at the time, like you said. So. Yeah, and he you had know, Platoon small... comes out, he gets nominated for... Didn't he get nominated for an Oscar for that movie? Probably. I think and then so, they yeah. look back at his other credits, and it's like, oof, The Wraith. <laughs> Wasn't it... What was the yeah, other one that was, he was like... in? Was it Wall Street or something? What was the other one he was in? Yeah, I guess he was in Wall Street. Yeah. 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 Um, but that was... That had to have been... That's like 89, 90. 
87. So this is before all that. Later. Yeah. He got those roles. Even from, though he did this movie. From this movie. Yeah, he wasn't blackballed or something? Like, whoa, you were in a Wraith? Yeah, sorry. Can't help you. Oh, that's so good. You know, it's it's probably like, like T-ball. Like you show up, you do a day's work, and then you go off to Platoon. So it's, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure they yeah. paid him decently. Well, because he had a name. Right. So, I mean, enough that they wanted to make him the star of the movie in top billing and he literally filmed for one day. I do, what was it? Two weeks ago, we discovered that Mickey Rourke signed on to become the lead in Beverly Hills Cop, yet he didn't stay. And just for signing, he made four hundred grand just to sign the, the, the thing to say he'd do it. He didn't even do anything. He left. That's almost like a Tom film. Brady story. You know, just, just for saying he's not going to retire, he'll get like another couple million. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, how do I get jobs like that? That's crazy. I don't know, but I would like to have a job like yeah, that. Yeah, that would be really nice. In case anyone's listening. Yeah, you know, yeah. That right. wants to pay me to not work. Or any of us, like, you know. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just submit your resume, and that alone will be good for some good money, even if we don't hire you. It's Think of that. Good. Yeah. But like, you know, just, just, to, just to agree. Then you're like, well, you're taking too long. I'm out of here. But you made 400 grand. It's like, wow. Well, did you guys see that the Razzies this year made a category just for Bruce Willis? Because he released eight really bad movies in the last year. And so they created a Razzie category just for the Bruce Willis movies that came out this year, which is embarrassing, right? But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, okay, Bruce Willis is a big enough name that these movies, even though they were all bad, I looked at the list. I didn't, I, I, I didn't know any of the eight films that were cited in the list on the Razzies. But what do you think Bruce Willis gets paid? to get out of bed to do a film of any kind. It's got to be a few million dollars, mm. right? Oh, yeah. So let's say it's five, just to make stupid radio DJ math easy for me. He made eight bad movies in one year, and if he charged $5 million for each one, he made $40 million making movies nobody saw that no one cared about, and he's got his own Razzies category because of it, but he made $40 million in a year. Right. And then you wonder where his I would ego do comes that. from. Yeah. Who wouldn't do that? Right. I would make eight bad movies in a year for $40 million, 100%. And it keeps his name out there. Like, Nicolas Cage did the same thing. He made a bunch of bad movies because he knew he could make at least a few million bucks a movie because he was having all those issues with the IRS. And it's like, even when you know you're making shit movies, if you can still make a few million dollars, who listening to this right now wouldn't star in The Wraith for a few million dollars? Right, a day. Yeah. I'm signing right. up for The Wraith, for too. For one day. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, who wouldn't do that? I mean, because think about it. In some films that are regular, like, you know, more higher budget and everything, it takes sometimes a day just to do one scene. Right. Because they want it again and again and again. It's like, all right, I know we only got you for a little while. So let's. Yeah. So we need you to ride the motorcycle. Then we need you to ride the motorcycle with the girl. Then we need you to float in a river on a pool float with the girl in a bikini. Then we need you to be in the water making out with the topless girl. That was his day of work. Where do I sign? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. Name one straight guy that's not going to say, like, you know what I mean? Like, not only yes that, that, but the girl I'm talking about is Sherilyn Fenn, right. who is right. a smoke show. Yeah. But she was going down the road after this movie of almost being like a slasher queen. Um, because I think right after this, she was in like Zombie High or something like that. So she was kind of doing exactly like, uh, you know, Halloween, the same thing. 
you know, she was kind of going down that road of, of only being in these psycho uh, kind of horror fi- uh, flicks. So, but yeah, absolutely. Didn't she end absolutely. up taking over the role of, uh, she was married to Alec Baldwin. What the hell was her Kim name? Basinger. She played Eminem's mom. Kim Basinger. Didn't she take over for Kim Basinger in Boxing Helena? Oh, I don't know. Remember Kim in, Basinger like, dropped out of that movie and got sued for millions of dollars? I think she was in like Twin Peaks or something. She was in a few things. Yeah. She was in something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was. She was in Boxing Helena. She was in Fatal Instinct, which was like basic instinct, but bad, oh, right. oh, I think. I, I think that's like a spoof, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she definitely, but again, look at her credits, right? She still got paid really good money to make all these really bad movies. Hmm. That's crazy. It really, it's like, I know she was upset, like she thought she should be in more, but uh, but still, she made, I don't, I mean, most of your, I would say, actors and actresses, even if the movie's bad, maybe not one movie, but after a couple of them, I mean, you gotta have enough money to retire. It's gotta be, it's got to be that. I mean, as long as you're good with your money, kind of like like sports athletes. I mean, it's got to be you made it. Well, enough. yeah, but you got to remember, just like the music industry too, that she's not getting like Bruce Willis doesn't get all five million from that movie. He's got a he's got an agent that's taken ten percent off the top. He's got this. He's got that. Like it's same thing with a with a band that signs Ooh, a record deal. It's, true. it's like the the <laughs> manager, the booking agent, the record company. You're paying out all these other expenses on things that by the time you get the money, it's probably at least never mind taxes. Mm. You know, on a $5 million paycheck, you're losing almost 50%, I would assume. And then you got to pay off everybody else. So Bruce Willis probably in his pocket maybe made a million off of each one of those bad Razzie movies this year. Which means in his pocket profit, it wasn't $40 million, It was $8 million, which right. I would still do. Right. And then you know eventually <laughs> he's going to get a high-budget one soon enough. Yeah. But like Sherilyn Fenn, like she's been able to, to have a career in Hollywood making like being kind of known like you said like the slasher kind of scream queen like these bad b movies i mean let's just say she only bunny ear quotes makes a half a million dollars which is a pretty low paycheck for an actress in hollywood still like what are you gonna go work at a barista at starbucks Mm. like she's still making more money than most people even though by hollywood standards her career is borderline laughable right it's like I would still do that. That's well, it's funny. You? Well, of course. Yeah, it's funny that that this album. So we talked about Ozzy having that uh, song in in the movie, and that was from the Ultimate Sin album. I read somewhere a, a while ago that it wasn't until that album that he was actually making money. They, it, I mean, that's when he finally was kind of, we'll say, rich. Um, but now, if you're a fan of of Ozzy, you think, well, what about Bark at the Moon? What you know? What about Diary of a Madman or Blizzard of Oz? Yeah, but, but they, uh, that's back in the day where you would spend a million dollars on a recording studio just to record a record. Mm. And then the entire music industry back then was driven solely off of album sales. You toured as an expense to promote the record, to sell albums, to make money, which is why internet streaming flipped everything on its ear because for those Napster years, before the industry had a chance to adjust with... The, the revenue stream turning to touring and merchandise and streaming, the only way bands were making any money was off the sales of the records. And when the records weren't selling, they didn't have the model in place to make money off of touring. Touring was a, a, a promotional expense. So your whole business model is jacked. Mm. 
So for Ozzy to not make money, like that doesn't surprise me at all because first of all, he was doing a lot of drugs. <laughs> Second of all, he was living like a rock star and having the band and all the massive tour expenses and all that. You had to sell enough records to pay for all of that and the record company's taking the piece, the agent's taking a piece, the manager's taking a piece, although it was Sharon who was managing them, so she was yeah. just taking all of the piece. But like that yeah. doesn't surprise me that it took him all those years to start making money. Yeah, I was just I mean, I was just shocked. I was like, wow, you know, because I you know, it was so late into his career and and obviously yeah. now, like you said, it's it's all about making the money off the touring. Yeah, you release the record to give you a reason to tour, whereas before you toured to sell the record. It just is a completely different wow. business model mm. now. And, you know, the, the the expenses incurred back then that are not required now. Like, a band would never spend a million dollars on a recording studio. You don't need to. I mean, no. there were bands recording records on Zoom during the pandemic. Right. You just need a quiet... I mean, there are still obviously like legendary studios and a lot of producers own their own studios now. So if you want to work with that producer, you'll go to their studio and it's kind of all part of the deal. But it's just the business model, the way that they spent money in the 80s because nobody saw CDs, the long boxes, streaming. Like back then in the 80s, like you'd sell an albums, millions of albums. The markup on it was so ridiculous. Well, you, that you saw the movie um, for the Tower Records, I assume? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's you, right there. They talk about how. Oh, wait. Like, Empire Records. You mean Empire Records? No, there was a, no, there was a Tower Records documentary. Oh, sorry. I was thinking that? about Rex Manning Day. No, yes, I did see pretty, that. Yeah. Like amazing on how it's, it describes to a T how it all fell apart and yeah. it, it's like that's exactly why Napster came out because people were like screw this I'm not paying you're eight, making 18 me, bucks for a stupid exactly, 10 song album exactly 23 dollars for one good song like yeah they totally you know they screwed themselves created the problem themselves by putting out terrible music yeah. and, and charging you a fortune for it right it's it's the the way it, it's done now it's so much easier like and yeah, but less they, risk. But they're but the artists aren't getting paid though. That's the thing. Like I interview so many artists and like when you talk about like Joe Rogan, and I'm not talking about any of the controversy that's no, coming you. out with the topics of his podcast, but if you really want to upset a musician, watch a yeah, a guy talk to them about how much money Joe Rogan makes on Spotify because every musician says, Well, Spotify was built on our back. Mm-hmm. Spotify became a desired thing for people to want to be part of because of the music. Meanwhile, an artist makes like point zero zero three cents per stream. Mm-hmm. But then you're gonna give Joe Rogan a hundred million dollars. Yeah, it's it's not fair. And the artists are like, what? even if you gave us a penny per stream. And you've got to be someone like Taylor Swift or Adele that's getting streamed millions and millions and millions of times before, like, like people were like, oh, that's stupid for Neil Young to boycott Spotify. He's going to lose all this money. And then it came out that he makes, on average, about 240 something thousand dollars a year off of Spotify streams, which is a lot of money to regular people like us, right? But, yeah. But. Oh, yeah. But it's not millions of dollars the way that I think people think artists make off of something like Spotify. Mm-hmm. Because they just don't get paid. Not only that, but then his streams on the other platforms went up. So he's making more money off of Amazon and Apple and all of that stuff. So he didn't lose any money pulling his music off of Spotify, at least not so far. Hmm. But people think that these artists 
Like, imagine how many streams you have to have to make amount of money that you can live off of for .003 cents a stream, knowing that you're still got to pay taxes on that money, that you still got to pay your manager and your booking agent and, like, all of that stuff. It's like, you have to get streamed, like, a billion times before that's any kind of money that people think you're making. Because it's really not that much money. Sounds like a business I want to get into. Right? Well, what, what do you think was the whole thing behind? So we, would, you know, we say it's a good soundtrack for this movie. Do they make money? I mean, was that just to get them? I mean, do, are they still paying the rights to the song to be in the movie? Or if it's on the soundtrack, is it cheaper? I mean, is there, I don't know is how there, it worked like, back a, then because again, the business was different, right? So back then. Mm. Maybe Ozzy wanted Secret Loser in the soundtrack, hoping it was going to help sell more records for him. But now, sync licensing for bands to get their songs used in movies, television shows, advertisements, that's a massive revenue stream. And most of the time, like there was um, the director and like producer of Cobra Kai was talking about, because they use all this great 80s music on the show, right? And they were talking about how they would love to use ACDC, but they can't afford it. Because ACDC charges so much money to use their music in movies and stuff because because that's how they make their money They used them. They did, but they paid through the nose I was going to say, because they used Back in Black. Yeah. I mean, think about the amount of music... Like when you when you go to a football game, right, and you hear ACDC or you hear you Welcome to the Jungle or you, like whatever, the bands are getting paid not only because it's getting played for everybody in the stadium, but if the music leaks out during the broadcast and stuff, like they get paid for that. That's a massive revenue stream. And back in the 80s, I bet that they would approach Ozzy and go, hey, we're making this movie with Charlie Sheen about race cars and we want to use this song. I don't know if this is true because I was in high school when this happened, but I can imagine them going, well, yeah, as long as we get the credit because that'll help us sell records and then maybe people will want to go see Ozzy on tour or whatever. But now, like, you're not using that Ozzy song. Ozzy, if you made if you made the Wraith now, which please don't, but if you wanted to make a remake and you wanted to put Ozzy's song in it, you would pay Ozzy to put the song in the soundtrack now, especially right. featured in such a massive well, scene in the movie. Before we hit final judgment, I'll, I'll ask you this. Have you seen or heard of the movie Bring It On? The cheerleading movie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it has the song Cherry Pie in it and... It cost them forty thousand dollars to use it. There That's you go. a lot of money. And that was how many years ago? Hmm? And how many seconds? It wasn't even like a minute. It was like well, it was wasn't close. it just oh, like? Yeah. But how many years ago was it? Yeah. Eh, Mid nineties. Yeah, exactly. I guarantee you, it would be way more money oh, yeah, than forty thousand dollars now. Yeah, I'm saying forty now. grand in nineteen ninety-seven or whatever. Yeah, ninety-eight something. But a but a cheesy cheerleading movie in the nineties paid forty thousand dollars for that. Yeah. For that. Yeah. So that goes to show you why a guy like Dee Snyder is so particular about where his songs, because he, he talks about it. If you follow like musicians on Twitter or whatever, follow Dee Snyder because he talks about this kind of stuff. Like he gets paid every year for all of the ways that we're not going to take it and all, all that get like, that's how these artists survive is writing a song that people want to use over and over again and stuff. And I remember, remember when Led Zeppelin was in the Cadillac commercial and everybody yes. freaked we out. our minds. They're yeah, greedy. Yeah, yeah. They sold out. Like, all of that stuff. Nobody questions it now. Like, it, you actually almost celebrate the artists. Like, for the Super Bowl this year, you know, they're coming out with all of the, you know, the commercials. The amazing guitar player, Gary Clark Jr., is getting used as the music in one of the Clydesdale commercials for Budweiser, which is a massive thing for an artist. 
And it's like, now it's like you celebrate it. Like, good on Gary Clark Jr. for getting in a big, massive commercial. <laughs> Whereas 20 years ago, we would have been like, sell out, you suck. Like, you know what? I, I, I would say the reason also people are probably saying sell out to, to Led Zeppelin is because they would never lend their shit to almost any movie. Right. So like you know they always appeared to be tight wadded like you know like where it's like right. we won't we won't protective let our... of the artistic integrity and then when of everything. you put it on a Cadillac commercial it's almost like almost like doing a complete one eighty. But my argument, well, which is the same Bruce Willis argument I've been making, how much money does any? You know what? I'm gonna Google. <laughs> I want to know what Cadillac paid. But they but they kind of did it themselves, right? I mean, a lot of their songs were songs from like uh, Muddy Waters and stuff like that. They I mean, they pretty much ripped off a lot of a lot of their music. And I'm not saying they're not good. I, I love Zeppelin. But it wasn't 100% original like everyone thought. I mean No, but I just meant uh, I, in comparison the they they stuff. never would let their stuff out to movies for a while. Like for instance, Wayne's World goes to play Stairway to Heaven, but like it doesn't. You can tell right. it's not Stairway yep. to Heaven. He goes, "No stairway, do not." Yeah. yeah, you know. And then I mean, then look at Queen. Like they celebrated the Bohemian Rhapsody thing in mm -hmm. Wayne's World. Like it. I mean, how much money is Queen made because that song hit the charts again? Yeah, yeah. I mean, now with Dee Snider though, that's that's an interesting one that you brought up because. You know, for a while there, it was they had to go by the name of what Bent Brother instead of Twisted Sister, and then in Cobra Kai, there's a, a Twisted Sister song, but it's, it's not a like Snyder the solo, album solo version, act. right? Wasn't it? Yeah, it was just his solo. Is there is there a reason behind that? Is that just something I want to do? Is it the same? I mean, is it is there is there a reason behind like the the royalties or ownership? Uh, oh, they may not they be together right like now. They couldn't. Like, I think they go through spurts. Right. Cause of, they, cause they, weren't they touring as Bent Brother at one know. time? I just know they they go to um, they go through spurts of like they're, they're yeah back. they're not together. But JJ French from the band manages the entity that is Twisted Sister. So because I just had I had both of them on the podcast, but separately they get along fine. They're totally friends. But like but like JJ French manages. Like the Twisted Sister logo, the imagery, the music rights, how it gets used, the sync licensing, all of that kind of stuff. Because Twisted Sister is still making tons of money every year. Even though they don't tour, they're making money off the catalog. Hmm. So They hated each other until 9-11. Uh, After 9-11, uh, Eddie Trunk. Yeah, like, they got, got back together, together. And yeah, said, guys, listen, you know, come on, for New York. And then, well, even even ZZ Top for a while, they wouldn't even tour together. I mean, they were like friendly, but separate tour buses. And well, that Van Halen you know, was like that. I mean, look, if you've ever been on a yeah. tour bus, it's it's kind of hard to maintain a positive relationship when you're literally nut to butt. Those buses mm. are not as big as people think they are. You cram twelve smelly yeah. dudes for six months on the road in a bus, you're not going to get along either. No. I don't care how close you are, like. <laughs> I understand why mm. people want separate buses. Once I actually saw, because yeah. I used to tour, I was a roadie, so I used to tour in semis. And like, it, it's you think it's hard to like live with your kids and your spouse in your house because they won't pick up their shit and they leave messes. Shrink it down, and then put it on the road. And like, just it's <laughs> you don't want to uh, like like we were talking about before, like sharing a radio station studio with other people that are slobs is bad enough. Now try imagine that you get off the road and then you got to go in the studio and be creative and write m new music with these people that you hate because they don't pick up their fucking socks. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't sure. imagine it. I can't find how much Led Zeppelin got paid. Now I, I'm looking, I can't find it. 
Sorry, you want me to hit final judgment, and we'll go from uh, go from there and talk about it's your show. You guys do your thing. Whether we think this movie holds up, it's time now for final judgment. Are you ready to rubber stamp this bitch? Here's the final judgment. Well, well, well. I wonder what we think. We're going to start with our uh, wonderful guest who who is just, you know, she's been salivating to do this movie since the last time she was on the show. Don't let her fool you. She requested oh the rate. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I feel uh, bad ahead, you Gary. made her pay for it, actually. No, I watched it for free. Well, I wasn't trying to do that. Oh, okay. I watched right. it for free. Um, this movie didn't hold up when it came out. Okay, <laughs> this movie was yeah. bad from the day it was released. It 100% does not hold up now. And if you want to know why the Me Too movement is even necessary, just watch the role of women in this movie and you will understand why it is that women are so angry about how they get treated nowadays because this is how guys grew up. Like, you're mine. If I can't have you, no one can. I'm going to cut the palm of your hand and hold you at knife point and like you're my I own you and if yeah, what what that's it, that's it, it, it there's a whole this isn't the only movie like this is very endemic of like of the era of you know that women were just supposed to be these bikini girls with the big hair that were like the property and the status symbol for the guy and like it just is so telling of when the movie came out and then if you go and look at where music was at at this time and you see the role of of the 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 video bimbo and the bikini girls and you know slippery when wet and girls 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 and the motley crew like all of that kind of stuff like that was women's relegated role in media in that time in entertainment in that time which is why when you go back and look at a role like Sigourney Weaver and Alien or like something like that that it was just so outside of the box and shocking because this is the Wraith is a perfect example of like why and how women were relegated to being the eye candy and the property of the male role the stereotypes they had to I mean did you see any male nudity in this movie at all it was just the women being naked right well he showed his nipples no I'm just kidding yeah. right <laughs> And now you can watch Hulu and see Pam and Tommy and see Tommy Lee literally having a conversation with his own penis. Full frontal. So yeah. we've come a long way when it comes to equal mm. nudity. He calls it open mic night. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Steve, this movie ahead, this movie definitely does not hold up. It's terrible. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm Horrible. Just- flabbergasted by that. All right, go ahead. <laughs> the yeah, car yeah. is cool. His costume is cool. The soundtrack is cool. End of list. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I, I think that the, um, you know, I mean, the, the special effects were, were cool. I mean, but it was like, it was like kind of like Chip's special effects. Like, it's not just going to blow up. It's going to blow up, man. Yes. Stuff Like when he, when he goes through their uh, barn garage that they had and he mm. goes through it and Nothing blows up like that. It blew up like so nuclear. evenly, and everything <laughs> yeah. was like, yeah, to a shred. Like, you know, a Scud missile couldn't do that. Like, you know, it was unbelievable how it blew up. It's like, all right, that wouldn't have happened. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, but there's some, some special effects. I mean, they hit the car carrier 
all they did was nudge the car, and all of a sudden the, the cars on top of the car carrier came off. Like they wouldn't be that loose. Like that just wouldn't happen. And uh, but yeah, I, I think that the a lot of times if I if I watch a movie like that, we like can I at least hear the songs? And um, and you know what? Going back to the soundtrack, if you're an '80s, uh, if you like the '80s and you, and you like the hair bands and and around that mid '80s kind of sound, it was great. I, I loved it, and I and I thought that was good. And uh, you know the acting. Um, wasn't terrible. I mean, Charlie Sheen's a good actor. It wasn't horrible, horrible. Um, I think Randy Quaid is is a good actor in, in what he does. His character was stupid, but but he is kind of uh, he's not a terrible actor. But uh, but he definitely he wasn't the uh, you know he wasn't like in the National Lampoon's type. You know that we're talking about a guy that goofy. said shitters full as an yeah, actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't totally that. Um, you know, uh, you surprised. Well, no, but he also um, is uh, like Lenny on of Mice and Men at, at one point. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, there's other things you know that he, he did. I thought it was funny when he went into the uh, the the burger joint and and he just grabs the coffee and starts pouring it. Did you see how much sugar he put in his coffee? No. He just sits there and it just it keeps coming out, coming out, coming out. <laughs> and by the way, he doesn't even ask. Could I have a cup of coffee? He's like, ah, you know, I'm a cop. They're just going to give it to me for free. I'm well, I mean, just don't for forget it. the girl said no charge for the Sarge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lieutenant, yeah. actually. <laughs> like it matters. Yeah. She's already gone. <laughs> He's still yeah. talking about I his mean, status. It, it was, you know, a lot of 80s movies were like this. They didn't hold up then, and they definitely don't hold up now. And I have yeah. to agree, it doesn't hold up. Okay. I'm going to uh, be the you third in spot. that trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> No, it it definitely does not. There's the you know there's so many reasons like uh, you, you've already mentioned. I do like the the feel of of what it could have been. Meaning like I think today with a good writer and a responsible writer, they could make something out of this, and it would be a lot of fun with better explanations, better ending, better everything. Like you could take the foundation of this and make it good. Well, I really I think just, you could. I still don't understand how. Did I miss the part in the movie that explains how he comes back to life? No, and you're and, not supposed to know. <laughs> and, like, and how he looks similar but not similar enough where people recognize him. And, like, where he went. Like, like the dots in the opening sequence that you were talking about. Like, where did they come from? Like, where did the car come from? Like, where did the helmet and the outfit come from? Like, is there this other plane of consciousness? Is that heaven? I don't... Right. I don't understand. I don't understand how he just got selected to come back and avenge his death. Like there was no. Hmm. No, I know. No, yeah. I, you know, there's no explanation. I just saying. don't if, understand. If a good writer got a hold of that, though, I think you know. What I mean, they would actually work on that a little bit. And like, you don't have to get the explanation, right? Like, I don't know what was in the corn in Field of Dreams, but. But that was part of it where it was like, you're not supposed to know, but we're going to send James Earl Jones in there to like find out. But like this, I was just like, the movie ended and I was like, you never find out like anything? Right. In Field of Dreams, though, you're totally accepting that's like a heaven uh, thing that they, they were sent back and, you know, dad comes back you know the whole night right so it's like but like you don't know what it looks like on the other side like you don't know where they're going nor do you necessarily even wonder because it you've accepted like you said like that it's just it's there and that it is still the human mystery 
but that James Earl Jones is going to be that guy that has the skill set to articulate what it could be like. And so that's why they chose him to go there and experience it or whatever. But I kept waiting for the end of the movie for there to be an explanation about when he died, where he went, why he came back in that car, why he had to be in all leather with a helmet, not knowing Charlie Sheen only filmed for one day and they needed a way to camouflage that it wasn't him in the rest of the scenes. Like, I was like, you just look, I just have to accept that there's this other world with Tron dots and Oh, and I'd like to ask, I'd like to ask, when he takes her away, is he taking her to heaven? Is he going to kill her? Well, yeah! <laughs> So it's well, it's funny. It's funny you said it. So like, I'm watching the comments, right? I'm watching, and and I'm kind of ahead of my time. I'm in like halfway in the movie, and everyone's talking about the ending. They're like, oh, the ending. I cried and this and that. And I'm like, oh wow, what's this ending? So as it's going on, here's what I thought. And maybe I'm going to sound really weird and, and twisted. I thought that because the brother mentioned when they were at the uh, the the pond there, or the beach, wherever they were, and he says, wow, look at her. And he's looking at basically his ex-girlfriend, right? And so I thought maybe he's he's thinking, well, I'm dead. I got to go back to wherever the hell I came from. I thought he was going to give his brother the girl and the car. So that's where I thought the movie was going. Like he's going to get into the car and there she is. Um, but no, he takes the girl with him. It's like, so you killed her? Like, like this. But he- listen to what you just said. He's going to give him the girl. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I know it like sounds she bad, has, but... She has yeah. no Choice. say in the fact that she <laughs> dates the brother of her dead boyfriend. You just gave a person away like a car. I thought like, that was what's going to happen. I just but, really thought that was the ending. But and, just and, say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so fucked up that you could think <laughs> that could be the ending that she gets given away like Charlie Sheen is in a position to go brother she's now yours <laughs> and at no point can she go yeah it's kind of fucked up that I would be with my dead boyfriend's brother so maybe I don't want to date that guy no she just gets given he's going to give his brother the girl and the car what well, didn't you? I mean, I mean, it, it didn't. It it probably would have fit though, right? I mean, I, I mean, the way the movie was, I'm not really like pulling this out of my ass. I, I think that. No, that, I know, I but as it, a woman, it, it, yeah. like we don't no, want to date yeah. the dead, the brother of our dead boyfriends. <laughs> like that's but, not something we want to do. Not if you don't have a choice. No, I'm just kidding. Like, like <laughs> Hunter Biden dated the widow of his brother for like yeah. a window of time after. President Biden's son died. And like people were like, that's disgusting. Like, and then it came out that it was like a grief thing and it was a short lived thing and like whatever. But like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, like women aren't just like sitting around like, well, I have to date someone. So I'm just going to date the brother of the guy I really loved. And that'll be, and, and I'm not going to do it on of my own accord. I need to be gifted by my dead boyfriend to his alive brother with his car. As if would I am make, equivalent in but, property value. Would, would that be stranger to you than, than how it ended? Like saying, where the hell are they going? Like, is this like back to the future where he goes, I'm still trying in, to figure out know, why the like, car flew at the end of Greece. There are some things that I just will never understand. But like, like it just would have been one more punch if she got given away as property. It wouldn't have surprised me, but it just would have been like, see, 
See, let's just marginalize the women in this movie more by giving them away as property at the end. Like, how could we make the women in this movie feel more like shit? <laughs> we already made them vapid and 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 physically inferior and naked the whole time and rape victims and assault victims. And now they're property to be gifted in a will with a car. Which I, well, listen, I also thought it was weird that these people writing comments were like, I saw this when I was nine, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of breast scenes and, and naked, like, you saw this when you were nine? Like, what, your parents? Like, was Never it, Never mind know, the huffing of WD-40 and the yeah, rape. Yeah. Like, that, that would have been what people freaked out about the same way as today. People will freak out about Janet Jackson's nipple, but not about grown men committing head-to-head smashing concussive violence on television. It's the nipple that's going to haunt you. <laughs> like, it's not the rape in this movie or the gang or the stab wounds or the physical assault. It's the nipple shots that are really going to take that nine-year-old's brain and send it to a bad place. Well, yeah. do you know the uh, uh, who the, the villain of the movie was? In real life? Yeah. His name no. is Nick Cassavetes. Does that ring a bell? Why I know the name. He directed The Notebook. <gasps> yeah, no! I did see that. Yes. Think of that. Yeah, he did. Shut did up. Talk about a 180. <laughs> That's the same guy. <laughs> I'm looking him up on Wikipedia. It says... Because I knew that I knew the last name, like I knew the name. I just didn't know why I knew it. Directed such films as She's So Lovely, John Q, The Notebook, Alpha Dog, and My Sister's Keeper, as well as his acting credits, which include The Wraith. Mm. It listed right in his Wikipedia: Face Off and Blow. I can't believe he's the guy that directed The Notebook. You just blew <laughs> my mind. We'll end on that. And how do you do it without eyeballs? You know? <laughs> We're going to end on that. Now. And, how, and how do you do it without eyeballs, Jay? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do it, they never explain the eyeballs part. Or, or that he was, or the car was so taking many... like like keepsake ornaments from uh, from the other cars that he it blew up. Yes, <laughs> that's right. They would just where disappear. did all of those yeah. go? Well, they got to go to the next wraith. I don't know. <laughs> No. I really have no the Wraith too. It just never got released. Why? There's so many unanswered questions in this movie. You're welcome. That I will never <laughs> think about again after the end of this episode. <laughs> no, listen, I promise we'll, we'll we'll come up with a, a better movie for you next time if there is if you want to join us again. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I would come back anytime. I would come back anytime. It's 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 an absolute blast to like. Like, I'm glad that I picked the movie the first time so that I could find something that you guys didn't know about. But I was really happy that you guys made me go looking for a movie this time because I was like, okay, God. And as I'm watching it, I was like, there's no... If I were just home, Netflix and chilling, I never would have made it to the end of this Mm -hmm. movie because I would have just shut it off. But I, I watched it because I wanted to be able to participate in this discussion with you guys all the way to the end. All right. I you did that for you, and I would do it again anytime. <laughs> anytime you, you guys want me if, on. You wanted to see if the brother got the girl. I mean, we all were doing that. <laughs> With no. bated breath. No, and even if he did, the relationship ends years later because she realizes, this is creepy, I'm dating my dead boyfriend's brother. <laughs> 
Like the way what the Pearl selfie. Harbor ends, where it's like she's with the guy, then she's with the best friend, then she's back with the guy with the best friend's kid. Weird. Hmm. Weird. All of it's weird. Carrie, uh, if you want to just uh, promote your uh, show and stuff like that, that'd be uh, great. Ah. So you can find me online at mistresscarry.com. Um, the Mistress Carrie podcast is available everywhere. New episodes come out every Wednesday. Recent guests, uh, Slash from Guns N' Roses, Jonathan Davis from Corn. Um, it's a rock lifestyle podcast. And if you subscribe, you also get what I call the sit reps. And it's all your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in five minutes every weekday. And um, you get all the details at um, mistresscarry.com. And you can also listen to me on the radio um, nationwide on uh, Westwood One, but also locally on 100 FM, The Pike in Worcester. Awesome. Absolutely. Great show, too. I love it. I love uh, Thank love you. I appreciate you it. it. Great information. I just love hearing about the uh, the different artists and what they're up to. And I'm a music lover, man. I'm in it for the I'm yeah. in it for the music. I love it. Yeah, absolutely awesome. All right. Well, uh, I think Chris is back next week, and um, thank you, thank you, Steve, for filling in, and thank you, Carrie, for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Boom, cricket, chirp, mouth, movie.